0: Ulterior. Damn, this is really it, y'all. And by that, I mean this is the final regular episode for 2023, season three of Ulterior. And the fact that in about a month's time, maybe even three weeks or so, season three will have been finished. I would have completed three calendar years of this shit when i didn't even know if i'd finish a month back when i started this podcast and it's it's a lot to take in it, it really is it's a whirlwind and a lot of you guys have you know been there from the start some of y'all have you know, found your way along since then um but no matter when you started fucking with the kid i appreciate the fact that you do and I'll do everything that I can to make this award season as meaningful and as cathartic as I would like for it to be. So all that being said, this is going to be done a little bit differently from how regular weekly episodes are done. I've kind of accumulated, I believe, two weeks worth of material, and I will take what it is that really moved me really captivated me and kind of highlight those right now so on this episode i'm gonna be looking at new singles by the likes of north lane alpha wolf icy stars and a couple of others i want to mention and then brand new records by windwalkers texas in july and post profit thank you so much thank you for tapping in and i hope you guys enjoy this season finale So, there was some cryptic messaging on social media last week from Issues. And this was the first sign of life from the band in a number of years. So, you know, of course people were excited and they were curious and interested about what was going on. But the centerpiece of these posts was a gravestone. And in my eyes, and maybe this is me being a cynic, I was immediately very skeptical about Any sort of excitement on my end, at least excitement about the future of the band, because I could kind of see the writing on the walls in the sense that the band has kind of been done for and they've been done for under really unfortunate circumstances that did not come at the fault of any of the remaining members, Skylar, AJ and Josh. For you guys who may not know about what happened, or rather, you know, the background of Issues altogether, um, Issues, in my opinion, is one of the most influential and groundbreaking bands the scene has ever had. If you have heard anything in the last 10 years that mixes metalcore and gent with R&B and pop, Issues is the reason for that. You have them to think for that amalgamation and they've truly been you know legends in that regard around i believe it was september of 2020 um some allegations surfaced against the then vocalist of the band tyler carter and very very quickly like within a fucking hour i think it was the rest of the band took action and tyler was no longer in the band and that unfortunately you know kind of ended up being the catalyst for the ban eventually announcing last week their disbandment. And a- another reason why it's not so surprising to me is because the other members, they've found great success in other endeavors. And so they truly are being given the chance to go out on their terms and, and the way that they want to. They will be playing three farewell shows this January. And then after that, it's, you know, it's officially over for issues. And it really sucks that it had to come to this. But considering that the alternative was the band just, you know, quietly fading off into the sunset with no sort of closure for themselves or their dedicated fans, this was the best case scenario. And I really do hope that anybody who wants to be at these shows in January can find the means to get there. I hope the band members on stage, they feel this catharsis when it comes to, you know, getting to end things the way that they want to. And that's really all that matters to me right now. I don't care about there seemingly not being another single or another record or another tour. I just want the band members to be happy with the end of this project that they poured so many years and their passion into and i really do wish the best for all of members of issues moving forward i wish that the fans get that same kind of closure that i want skylar and aj and josh to get and i'm sure there will come more times in this show's duration where i get to talk about issues and you know the overall effect of them but the most I'll say right now is just thank you to Skylar, AJ, and Josh. Thank you for being pillars of the scene. Thank you for being, you know, spearheads in terms of being able to mix these genres and do so in a way where you essentially crafted a genre of its own. And that will never, ever be duplicated. That will never be replicated. Thank you. The 2024 When We Were Young lineup was announced and people on social media were just completely over the moon about this because you have several bands playing full-length records at this festival like My Chemical Romance, A Day to Remember, The Devil was Prada, and so many others. It's going to be a big-ass festival and a big celebration of scene history. And with regards to scene history, there was a discussion that arose on Twitter specifically about the lack of female representation that was initially on this lineup. And I believe it's a conversation that did need to be had because, like I said right now, you can't talk about scene history without giving flowers to a plethora of female-fronted acts. And I, I don't believe... The discussion originated from this, but there was a tweet from Scene Queen that I feel kind of did accelerate the discussion, and in one of her tweets, she singled out six bands. Hey Monday, We Are The In Crowd, Millionaires, Automatic Love Letter, Tonight Alive, and Against The Current. And coincidentally... A little while after this tweet was sent out and a little while after the conversations were had about the lack of female representation, five of these six bands got announced for when we were young. Everybody except for Automatic Love Letter. Makes you, makes you think. Makes me think at least. Um, but I, I don't think it's so important right now to go into like you know conspiracy theorist mode and then start connecting these lines that may or may not be there. What's important is that When We Were Young seemingly listened, and they took the criticism on the chin and did their part to remedy this matter. And now we have, you know, these incredible additions to When We Were Young. And some, some additions that maybe you guys out there in the scene aren't so familiar with, like We Are The In Crowd or Hey Monday or Tonight Live even, um, go to these sets. Because these are some tremendous bands playing outstanding albums, and I really do believe that these additions help the strength of when we Were young, and give way for more female fronted acts to be spotlighted in the future at this festival. Automatic Love Letter, pull up. So now I'm going to go ahead and get into the music for this episode, and like I mentioned earlier, I've taken a handful of singles from the last two weeks or so, and kind of... Gathered some thoughts in my head about what I want to say with regards to these songs, all of which are fucking amazing and I love, and I have this real excitement within me to share said passion. So, first up is the brand new song by Icy Stars: It is Damage Done. Myself and my attachment to scene music. Icy Stars have been one of the most important figures when it comes to that. A lot of what I enjoy about electronic and experimental metalcore, it's because of Icy Stars. And to have them return this year in the lead up to the Concrete Forever Tour, that was so special to me, and it was so important. And a lot of these tracks that they've released have been, let's say, divisive online, especially Anomaly and Drift. I feel like those songs may not have gotten the band's comeback on the right initial foot for some fans. Now we have Damage Done, and I think there are a lot of elements to Icy Star's arsenal that... Are present here and they're present in a way where I hear this song and it does remind me of Treehouse, which was their last record in 2016. And I think overall it's a very good song. It has a lot of these, you know, weird moments when it comes to what Devin is doing with his voice and the production that backs him. But I really enjoy it. I think it's really cool for Icy Stars to be able to, you know, dip into all of these bags and make a song that does stand out from the prior singles this year. Um, It's just really catchy to me. And uh, again, I appreciate this continued experimentation from Icy Stars because that's really what made me fall in love with their act in the first place. Um, I really want 2024 to be a big year for them, you know, selfishly, I would love for there to be an album and a tour and just overall more opportunities for me to talk about the importance and the impact of Icy Stars on my life, because it's something that I will always be grateful for, and I feel like they still have so much to offer, not just fans like myself, but new fans who have yet to discover the brilliance and the innovation of Icy Stars. When You Were Here is the name of the new single out right now by Real Friends. Not even going to try and cap about anything with regards to my feelings towards this song. This is my favorite Real Friends track of all time. I personally don't believe that they have ever sounded better at any point in their careers. And that is with every ounce of respect that I can possibly give to the Dan era of this band. There is attitude and emotion and just... Overall, agony poured into this song that kept me enthralled the entire way, and especially once the chorus came in and just how poignant it is sonically and lyrically. I don't really want to die, but I don't want to be alive like I did when you were here is one of the best fucking hooks of the entire year and real friends channeling the spirit of not only pop punk here, but also post hardcore in a lot of ways made a case at the 11th hour for their impact on 2023 and for as gutting as the song is to hear it is just as perfect in its execution i i fucking love everything about this single just absolutely goddamn adore brand new charlotte sands single called pity So, Charlotte is going to be one of the first artists who gets covered on this podcast in 2024 because her debut album, Can We Start Over?, is releasing on January 24th. Pity is the latest single in her outing for this record, and it truly might be my favorite so far of the bunch. It is very simple yet effective. There's a ton of spirit and exuberance sprinkled into every section of this song no matter if it's in the you know muted and scaled back verse or the vibrant chorus that hasn't been able to leave my head for a while now and the little guitar melody that supports instrumentation also does an amazing job at keeping the momentum going because it's just a really like fun jingle of sorts that is just as addictive to hear as Charlotte's voice. I say it over and over again in some variation but Charlotte is a star and a song like Pity reaffirms that to myself to the utmost extent. Let's talk about the brand new single by Bloom, Maybe in Another Life. this is off of the album of the same name dropping on february 15th i will always have a strong and immediate connection to melodic metalcore bands who can deliver to me songs such as this one maybe in another life has the rampant pace that i ask for in tracks like this with no shortage whatsoever of the emotion and melody that the genre thrives off of it is as chaotic as it is heartfelt, especially once the chorus comes in and the song somehow still maintains its amplification while still giving way for something memorable that audiences can easily sing along to in a live setting. Bloom have already cemented themselves as one of the most exciting bands heading into a 2024 release, as far as I'm concerned, and I just, I cannot wait to see and hear more of this rollout play out. Alpha Wolf, With a brand new single, About Fucking Time, Bring Back the Noise. There has definitely not been enough new Alpha Wolf in the last couple of years, at least since 2020's A Quiet Place to Die. Um, The split EP with Holding Absence last year was a great way to hold us off in a way, but there's really nothing like the invigoration of seeing a new Alpha Wolf single being promoted and the fanfare that follows it. Bring Back the Noise is a two minute banger that knows exactly what it has to be. It's quick and effective. It does not overstay its welcome whatsoever, and in that short duration, you have every element and facet of Alpha Wolf that you need to enjoy the material. The incredible guitar work, the turntables that further emphasize the new metal influence on this band, and Loki being an absolute fucking beast on vocals. You mix all those together, and this is one of the most fun releases of the year, and when I look at not only this single, but then also... The two times this year that I was really fortunate enough to be able to see Alpha Wolf live, they are comfortably sitting near the top of the list of bands who I am ecstatic to see what 2024 brings them. The final single that I want to talk about and discuss in detail for the episode, it's by Northlane, and it is Dante. Dante. There's probably a lot to unpack with Dante because it isn't exactly what I expected to hear out of a new Northlane single, and I don't believe I would be the only person of that mindset coming out of the single. But I don't say that disparagingly at all because every twist and turn of Dante kept me intrigued and curious as to what exactly was going to happen next in the song. The pulsating rhythm in the verses created this Chilling factor of sorts that bled perfectly into the chorus where Marcus sounds as refined as he ever has, in my opinion. It is a journey, to say the least. Nearly six minutes, and it has never felt like that in any of my listens. I'm not entirely sure if this is a song that every Northlane fan out there will vibe with, but for myself, Dante was a pretty captivating listen, and I really want to see Northlane continue to thrive in the new year. So, those were the singles that I picked out to talk about for the episode. And there were a bunch of others I reviewed, but for the sake of time, uh, you know, this is a condensed version of what the last two weeks of my life have been like. So, if you're genuinely interested in the other singles I reviewed, uh, please check out Ulterior on Instagram and Twitter for the weekly posts that correlate the weeks being discussed on this episode. There are three records that I reviewed recently that I want to spotlight on the episode and ultimately these are going to be the final three records of 2023 that I review on this show so it's a big deal you know it's a little bit of a big deal a little special a little something you know how it goes and the first one up is the new album out by Windwalkers it is What If I Break. Before I get into the actual music that is presented here on this album, I do want to give just a little bit of a briefing on the history of Windwalkers because I feel like what they have been through in the past few years, it is relevant to what makes this album by them as triumphant to me as it really is. So for you guys who might be unfamiliar with Windwalkers, uh, they have been around for a number of years. They had an album back in 2018 called The Lost Boys, and that album is just something else, guys, like truly out of this world. If this show had been around back in 2018, The Lost Boys would have been one of the most celebrated records of that year, and there are so many songs on there that meant a lot to me and really did a lot to kind of help me through certain struggles, not to be like so, you know, personal on main, but that's the reality of the situation when it came to my attachment to the lost boys in June of 2020, the band made the decision to kick out their vocalist, Corey in the midst of some racist remarks that had surfaced. And then also, um, behavior patterns when it came to how he treated, uh, past partners, let's put it that way. And, the band 100% did the right thing, you know, immediately removed Corey. The downside, though, is that did mean that they were on an indefinite hiatus from that point on. And, you know, that, that always sucks to see people who did no wrong have to put careers on the back burner in a way because of the actions of others. You know, I just mentioned issues on this episode, and we're seeing what the long-term ramifications of Tyler Carter's actions ultimately led to. But thankfully, the hiatus did see its end in March of 2022 when the band brought on Trevor as a new vocalist and we got the single Dead Talk out of it. And a couple of singles follow thereafter. All of them are part of this album. Uh, Hang Fire, Drowning Hymns, and Eyes Close. And while I liked all those songs as they were being rolled out, and this is just me being like completely honest with you guys, I feel like I said, okay, these songs are really good and outstanding. But as things stand right now, I do not know if in the long run, I will be able to have the same connection to these tracks the way that I did songs like Maker's Mark and Atlas at the time of their release. But in a way, it's also that slight bit of cynicism on my end that made it to where my experience with What If I Break so far has been one of just pure fucking triumph. Because it feels like the band has an identity. They have, like, not just a pulse. This band is a beating heart in the scene that a lot of people don't see yet. They don't realize it. I don't know how many of you guys have actually taken the time to listen to this album, but I would say whether you're familiar with Windwalkers or not, give What If I Break a shot. Because this album truly is something remarkable. And it's a great way to kind of close out the year for myself. I think Trevor has more than enough of a canvas to start off the album and really be able to show off his talent and just how special and unique of a vocalist he really is. Like the abilities that he's able to showcase for all of us in the songs Feeding the Gods and The Overlook, they do wonders for this band and this record altogether. And he just. He stands out. Like, there's not really another way for me to phrase it. He's remarkable in everything that he does. I think sonically and instrumentally, the band shares a lot in common with other acts right now, such as Catch Your Breath and Until I Wake. But I would put Windwalkers in the same league as them. I feel like they are just as good. They are firing on just as many cylinders right now as all these other incredible bands that are on the rise, per se. And Windwalkers can easily be a part of that conversation if more people will put their eyes and ears on the product that is being presented to them. I mentioned Dissipate a couple of weeks ago when talking about it as a single. And Dissipate still is just this tremendous song that I believe was the moment in the rollout where everything like wrapped around my brain and the establishment was finally made to this new era of windwalkers and i no longer had to look at them as a band where you know begrudgingly i was like yeah they're good but i like them more a previous time i probably like them right now as much as i ever have before and i'm fucking thrilled about that there's a track on here called almost ecstasy that in my opinion it really might be like a top five song that Windwalkers have ever made. I just immediately connected to the pacing of the song and how it can transition so fluidly from being quiet into a little bit heavier in its sonic tone. And then the chorus just lights up the whole record, dude. Like that chorus is fucking sensational. One of the best that Windwalkers have ever put out. And just overall, by the time I got through What If I Break, I felt like this band Not just that they found their identity again, but they've amplified it. They are genuinely one of the biggest standout bands I've been able to listen to recently. And it feels like I'm hearing a brand new band. It feels like a a fresh of breath air was breathed into them. New life was breathed into Windwalkers. And I would hope that anybody who has heard this album, who, you know, previously connected to The Lost Boys and anything else in their discography felt the same way, because to me... This is a big ass W for them. First time in a fucking minute that we have a brand new release by Texas in July. They just put out their new EP. It is called Without Reason. this is a big deal. And I really don't want that to like go unnoticed or be overshadowed because it's happening towards the end of the year. And as somebody who is present in the scene for the initial rise of Texas in July, there is this like sense of like nostalgic fulfillment, I guess you can say, when it came to the rollout for without reason and just even having this ep altogether because there had been no release from texas in july since 2014's blood work and even when i look back on everything that this band did and accomplished like i'm i'm kind of put back in a um in a time capsule of sorts because i can remember like just straight up being a 14 year old kid on myspace listening to hook line and Center, and just kind of going from there and Really falling in love with Texas in July and being so like moved and motivated by everything that they were doing. They were genuinely a, a really big deal of a band for myself back then. So there's a, a lot of, again, like a, a reward or like a sense of reward to now be able to talk to you guys about without reason. When this band dropped False Divinity a couple months ago, there was no way for me to shut the fuck up about it. There there was no way for me to not have this, like, this beaming ray of light within me per se. And just everything that that song brought me, being able to hear JT in this iteration of his career once again, that was a real time and place moment, guys. Like, False Divinity was the absolute perfect way to reintroduce all of us to Texas in July, or for some of you guys, Introduce you in the first place. I think the buildup in that song's intro carries over so perfectly into the ferocious delivery of the rest of the track. And it shows to me that Texas in July have both picked up right where they left off and also brought with them this added experience with the passing years and have refined their sound tremendously. Razor's Edge keeps the momentum alive and gives more of an avenue for Texas in July to continue showing off their prowess in their comeback. There's a section later on in that song where the instrumentation gets sort of a little bit quiet in a way, and there's almost a spoken word-like cadence from JT that added so much to this song, and within literally just the opening minutes of the EP, I'm already sold. The two songs that follow, Put to Death and Digital Hellscape, give me more of these incredibly nostalgic moments that i was looking for although i will say that just in some minute areas i thought that maybe these songs lacked some of the bite that false divinity and razors edge had but it's not a major gripe whatsoever it's just something that i wanted to point out before going into the closer goodbye which has this really slow and emotional buildup that is carried through the rest of the song in a way, capping off with a similar notion in the EP's final moments. I I believe this was a stellar fucking comeback for Texas in July. And had Texas in July never returned, like, I I feel like I would have been okay with, you know, having somewhat prior closure, just knowing, like, what the members went on to do. But having this EP in my you know, metaphorical possession. I feel... I I feel like my 14-year-old self would be just fucking geeked out over the CP. And I, in turn, now 28, I'm also fucking geeked out over it. This is insane. This is tremendous. I love the CP. I love what Texas in July have always been doing. I love what they've done in their comeback. And I just have, like, so much, um... I guess... I guess the right way to phrase it would be like fulfillment for a younger self and then also my current self. That's ultimately what I'm getting out of this EP by Texas in July. And for the final record of the episode and subsequently the final record reviewed on this podcast for 2023, it is the new EP by post-profit self-defeater. This is a band that I have been aware of by virtue of them being a Texas outfit, so there's already a connection there because I do what I can to support the scene around me and shine some light on it, but this is actually my first time speaking about post-profit here on Ulterior, and it felt like this was the biggest opportunity to finally give them their flowers on air because of recent events that have seen them sign with Sharptone and get more eyes and ears on themselves. Cancer Culture was the first single under Sharptone and subsequently the first bit of Self-Defeater that we got and there was this instant star power that felt like it, it was just jumping out of the phone towards myself because the rhythm and melody of that song cannot be denied in my opinion. It has the right exact hint of grunge akin to a band like Alice in Chains and alternative metal flares that you would hear on like, you know, Chevelle, for example. And it's all mixed in with the more modernized metalcore sounds that continue pushing the scene forward. And all of these elements found homes in cancer culture perfectly to make it the best possible introduction that anybody could have had to this iteration of post-profit. And this energy is maintained all throughout the rest of Self-Defeater, something I think is immediately made noticeable with the opener, Karmikaze, and the fluidity that this EP wields. It's all done in a fashion that seems like it would be easy to explain, but I think once you look into more of the intricacies attached to the production and format of each song, it really paints Post-Profit as... This brilliant collection of concepts because the ability to take a song as relatively straightforward as the title track, Self Defeater, and give it the life that it has with one of the EP's most highlightable choruses is characteristic of a band with more mileage to their name than what Post Profit really have. Everything here has aggression and attitude that is perfectly translated to catchiness. that has kept me returning to this ep just about every day since i first heard it like this is one of the easiest listens of the year it's very short very like not time consuming whatsoever but it's consuming in every other manner in terms of just the way that it captivates you the way that it kind of wraps itself around your brain and just really kind of makes you analyze something that again on the surface it seems straightforward it seems easy to read but Pulse Prophet made an EP that makes you kind of think and it makes you look further into what it is that they're doing and I believe what it is that they're doing is putting out some of the best music that we have right now in the scene at the very least recent memory at the very least within the last couple months and for this to be the final record that I talk about this year I genuinely feel Honored in that regard, because in my opinion, this is an excellent EP, a fucking amazing way to cap off the year. And I genuinely believe in post-profit moving forward. And I hope that anybody who gives this EP a chance can feel the same way and allow themselves to be moved and enthralled by a band who has so much potential moving forward. And that's it. That was every album and EP and single from this episode for me to talk about. But then also... That was every album and EP and single of the year for me to talk about, you guys. We made it. Somehow. Year is over. And now we get into what is not only the busiest time of the year for myself with this podcast, but then also the most rewarding. Because the year-end episodes are, are truly my favorite to record in any given year. Because it means that I have been able to spend another year where my passion for this music scene is just as like bright burning as it ever has been. And I feel a a lot of excitement and just overall captivation about what is to come over the next couple of weeks. And I, I just really hope that you guys are there along with the ride for me. I hope that Anything that I do for the songs list or the albums list, you know, y- you guys can rock with the way that you've been rocking with me the whole year. And for fucking three years now, pretty much. Um, that's insane. That's really fucking crazy. And it's something that I never want to lose sight of. I never want to take any of that for granted. And I, I, I never want to feel like this is a chore for me or, you know, a, like a job in a way because it truly is a privilege to be able to be on here and just share my passion for C-Music with you guys and in turn, you know, hopefully get some of you guys into new bands and new artists and maybe, you know, introduce you to songs that you wouldn't have known about any other way. That's the ultimate goal with all this and I really hope that that same, you know, effect can be had in the coming weeks for songs and albums or songs and records lists. Um... I am very, very tired, so I'm going to go ahead and get up out of here and get ready for year end stuff. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, for the love of the game, let's make a scene.